everybody to another episode of Small Council Radio. Uh, on tonight's episode, we are going to be wrapping up the Lannister faction. This will be part three of three for the 2021 Lannisters. So if you have not checked out part one and part two, definitely go check those out. But uh, with that said, um, one and two is not required listening for this one. They're just broken up uh, based on, you know, commanders, uh, tax cards, uh, attachments, and so on. Um, you know, just so we can get the whole faction covered and, you know, really deep dive into everything. Uh, so definitely go check those ones out, but don't feel obligated to, you know, leave this one to go listen to the others because they're all kind of their own thing, um, you know, just kind of covering the whole faction. Uh, tonight I have with me Vlad and Justin. Thank you both for coming on uh, tonight to wrap up this uh, faction. You yeah, are very welcome. Yeah. Uh, it's it's 3 a.m. here. Uh, if my voice uh, sounds a little bit uh, tired, uh, it's because I smoke a lot. Uh, because, uh, I'm a little bit tired, but I'll try to, to be at my best for this uh, for this uh, discussion. Yeah, thank you for the invitation one more time. Yeah, of course. You know, it's it's awesome when we can kind of get some of the same like different voices, but also the same voices when it when it's concerned like with something like this. You know, doing three parts, having a couple different uh, viewpoints, but also some of the same ones to kind of have a consistent uh, view across uh, all of the faction. And I definitely appreciate you know you coming on, especially three in the morning. You know, I I know that for a lot of people, you know, <laughs> they're dead tired, so. Um, you know, I definitely appreciate it. Uh, with that said, we can kind of jump right into this. Um, so just for context, uh, we will, and because they were slightly changed from the visions, we will briefly go over the uh, Lannister tactics, the generic tactics deck. Um, so first off, we'll start with Intrigue and Subterfuge. And I apologize. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I don't remember anymore what they were changed to because I don't have any of the old cards or the – I guess I could look up the visions. Um, but uh, first up, we have Intrigue and Subterfuge. When an enemy N NCU activates, the NCU loses all abilities until the end of the round. If you control the wealth, target one enemy combat unit, that enemy becomes weakened. Next, we have a Lannister pays his debt. Start of any turn, target one friendly combat unit, attach this card to him to the end of the game. When a friendly infantry or cavalry unit is destroyed, place one order token on this card. While this card has a token, the attached unit's melee attacks gain vicious, and while you control the crown, get plus one to hit. Hear me roar. When an enemy is performing a morale test before dice are rolled, the enemy suffers minus one to their roll and an additional minus one for each of their destroyed ranks. On a failure, they suffer one wound or plus one wound on a failure uh, on a failed panic test. Bribery. When a friendly NCU claims a zone, replace that zone's effect with target one enemy combat unit and attach bribery card to, to them till the they pass a morale test or are targeted by the wealth. While attached, this unit's attack attacks using its lowest attack die value. Counterplot, when an opponent plays a Taxus card before resolving that card, roll a die and a three up, cancel the effects of that Taxus card. If you control the crown, you may re-roll this die. Fealty to the crown, when an enemy fails a panic test, target one friendly unit in long range for each wound that enemy suffered 
from this test, restore one wound to that friendly unit, up to three. If you control the crown, restore one, uh, plus one to a maximum of four. And lastly, subjugation of power. When an enemy combat unit activates, that enemy performs one morale test for each zone you control uh, among the crown and the wealth. They suffer minus two to their role. On a failure until the end of the turn, they cannot be targeted by friendly tactics cards and lose all abilities. So, uh, overall, I love this tactics deck. Um, I used to really not like bribery a lot. Um, it has definitely grown on me, and with that said, uh, I never see a card and am disappointed with the Lannister deck. Um, the only time, maybe, is fealty to the crown, and that's only if I draw it early, uh, just because I know that you know I'm not... Uh, I still have usually full health on everything and might be a bit before I'm within the range and do that panic to heal. Um, otherwise, I, I absolutely love the deck. Um, the The sleeper is definitely bribery. I can't tell you how many times. Uh, if you draw this card early, uh, just f first turn, if you go first on round two, Especially if you're running Peter Baelish, uh, you first turn, take the wealth, place bribery on your opponent. And if you have like a crossbowman unit, which you should, I think they're a great unit. Starting round two, you then take pre Peter on the wealth and uh, use the free attack with the crossbowman to cover up the wealth so that they can't um, take bribery off. And now starting round three, they're stuck possibly having to take the wealth to finally get this bribery off because the key unit to throw this on is a ranged unit because unless they are a faction or I would say a commander in particular that has like a taxes card that allows you to uh, perform a morale test on yourself, you can just avoid attacking the unit you put bribery on. And now, you know, a lot of uh, range units are going to be hitting on uh, with four dice with threes or, you know, hitting on threes or fours, depending on what it is. Uh, you could really cripple, you know, their support all like, well, I would say at least half of the game. Um, so this card is amazing. And then uh, I know we've covered it before, but just uh, for, it says when attached, use attack using its lowest attack die value. It does say in the, uh, 2021 rule book that if you have an effect that lets you attack at highest and one that has you attack at lowest, lowest always wins. So um, that's just another reason to love this card. Uh, there are going to be some times where this card is not really going to shine, especially if you draw it later in the game, uh, especially because everything's already in the mix of things. You know, you're probably going to be attacking whatever you plan to put it on forces you to replace the wealth, which you're probably going to want to heal yourself uh, or even take a different zone first, allowing your opponent to take it before you even have the chance to use it. So this card early, uh, early game is amazing. Um, otherwise, everything else is pretty straightforward. A lot of it is all pretty similar to uh, the way it was. And, you know, it's great to see that uh, the Lannister deck, uh, for the most part, kept uh, its identity exactly the way it was. Uh, with that said, uh, uh, Justin, what's your overall uh, thoughts on all these cards? 
I think uh, it is definitely important to reiterate that the Lannisters kept their identity. Uh, however, I don't think the deck is... Um, hold on, how do I say this? The deck's really, really good. Just reading through it, it scares me to go up against it. Not that it's, like, busted or nothing. It's just, I know... So, in the past, when I went up against Lannisters, I knew it a lot better, and I knew that a lot of stuff wasn't going to crazy hurt me. Uh, now I'm I am terrified of the Lannister deck. There's so much in there that's going to like completely disrupt everything I want to do, uh, but to such an extent that I don't ever want any of it to happen. Uh, but at the same time, even with all the buffs and everything, it stayed it stayed or changes it stayed with the exact same idea, which is really cool because the Lannisters were the initial unique. Like, they weren't combat-oriented like the Starks were or the Boltons could have been argued to be when the game came out. They were the they were the magic blue deck of the game, right? Um, and there's still certainly that. I think their generic deck is exceptionally powerful. Yeah, and, you know, I know they lost, uh, you know, a couple cards that, people, you know, I guess really just one in particular that Lancer players loved, which was uh, Wealth of the Rock, but I mean, I feel like what they gained greatly outweighs uh, what they lost. Like, Subjugation of Power, this card is a little more tricky because it is uh, until the end of the turn, so you really have to think about when you want to, you know, to really use this, and it's really only going to shut off offensive abilities because it's when an enemy activates. Um, now, there might be a scenario where somehow you can do something offensively within your opponent's activation as a Lannister, uh, like set for charge with Halberdiers, but more often than not, this is targeting so that they can't do Texas cards uh, offensively and offense abilities. But um, in general, it's just, I think, really good. Uh, I wouldn't say the best tactics deck of 2021, but it's high up there. Uh, and Vlad, subjugation of... Oh, sorry, one second. Yeah, go ahead, Justin. Subjugation of power specifically, like you said, uh, it could be like a little tricky to use, but its trigger is... A is super easy like you use it exactly when you need to and when you know you need to there's no there's really no guesswork yeah it only lasts a turn but oh that turn's gonna hurt if they have the two zones they need because you're taking a minus four panic test or morale test and then you're useless after that you are completely useless <laughs> <laughs> no yeah i agree the trigger itself is pretty straightforward and easy uh i just mean the trying to remember that it's really only offensively that you're shutting it off. I can't tell you how many times that I play this card thinking it's going to last oh, like the round yeah. or something, and I, I just mess myself up playing this card and going, okay, I'm shutting off uh, your ability. Like uh, I tried doing it to Spencer to shut off um, Renly. Uh, so that way when I – or no, sorry, not Renly. Um, he had Jack in one-point attachment. I shut off you know, all of their abilities for that turn. And then in my very next turn, I attacked and killed Jackin. Or sorry, no, his commander. Yeah, it was Renly. So I turned off uh, Jackin, attacked and killed Renly, 
thinking that I was going to prevent Jacken from turning into Renly. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, it's, it's just for the turn. I'm like, man, and I've, that's not the only time I've done it. It's one of those, it's it's tricky because we're used to Lannisters having, like, to the end of the round, you know, shut off ability sort of a thing. And now, you know, the fact that it's when something activates, not like start of a turn to then shut off for the turn, that's, I guess, the only tricky part that I'm um, referring to. Yeah, uh, that makes sense. With that said, uh, Vlad, what do you... What's your thoughts on the generic tactics deck? Yeah, um, the thing I want is uh, the Lannister tactic uh, suffered only few modifications from its uh, original uh, uh, design. Uh, we can say that we have two completely new cards uh, plus Lannister pages and rewrite from from the beginning. If not, the other four cards uh, just uh, suffered slightly modification. Uh, if I can say that the uh, first crown got better, it works on moral tests and uh, you can heal up uh, even cavalry units and uh, now it's long range, so it's uh, way better than before. Uh, still same in the still stay in the same spot. So um, more more than this, uh, to discuss this uh, uh, this uh, evening uh, about their commanders, we can have we will see that we have three commanders that uh, suffered only limitations too. So for me as a Lannister player, it was very easy to adapt to the new uh, version of the tactics deck uh, commanders. Uh, I didn't need to play a lot of games to see that uh, I can still uh, um, uh, control more than half my tactics deck. So, uh, uh, Sorry, you're breaking up at the end there. Can you hear me? No, you're still breaking up. Um, so... I definitely agree. Like, there's a lot of uh, parts of the cards that have, you know, r- relatively the idea for the cards, like fe- like you were saying, fealty to the crown. The concept has remained the same, but in my opinion, has just gotten way better in the sense that it's way easier to uh, trigger, uh, not necessarily trigger, but you know, uh, apply within the game and get uh, the effect out of it. And um, while cleaning up the wording, uh, you know, just changing it straight up to, you know, wound for wound uh, instead of models, I think is way better because it was always, uh, you know, frustrating with the old one. I can't say, I mean, just even me and Justin, how many times have I <laughs> played my fealty and then, you know, oh, it doesn't work on Calvary. Oh, yeah, it's super frustrating. And it's one of those just like it just doesn't cross my mind because it's just like, oh, you know, I'm thinking it's just wound for wound. It's like, no, it's those models. And it's like, oh, okay, well, uh, <laughs> I guess I won't be using this fealty, at least not yet. Um, but, yeah, I I mean, even with uh, Hear Me Roar, um, Hear Me Roar, uh, probably like, you know, some would say counterplot, but for the fact like of – Lannisters being so morale based or panic based, I would say Hear Me Roar is like the the staple like he, like the main card like 
I think of when I think of Lannisters. And it's just nice that of all the cards, I believe this is yet the only one that doesn't even require any zones, which is nice. You just simply straight up play it, and you could be getting a minus, what, three just from this card and a plus one wound. And I do like that it does add damage while not making it crazy, you know, uh, you know, making it over the top, you know, because if it was like minus one for each rank and then plus one for each rank, then it, I think it would get a little ridiculous, especially if you're at last rank and it's like, oh, you know, plus three wounds or something. So I think Simon uh, did an amazing job uh, with this deck. I think it's, you know, I like how much it requires zones to be captured. I wish all of the decks were like that. Um, I would like to see more incentive for all of the decks to really have two zones the way Lannisters uh, do. I think it just adds a level of strategy to the game that is just more fun. Um, but yeah, uh, with that said, we can kind of jump on to uh, the first commander here. Um, so, first up, we're going to talk about Gregor Clegane, the mountain. He in my opinion, is probably the strongest, but that's just my opinion. I think they're all really strong. Um, but he, his commander version has the affiliation House Clegane. Uh, gives Fierce Charge, so successful charges makes the uh, enemy vulnerable. And Unstoppable Wrath, this unit's melee attacks deal plus two wounds. He, his first card is Overrun. When a friendly unit surges forth, instead of searching forth, this unit performs one charge action. This target, if it targets a house Clegane unit, it may reroll any charge distance dice. He also has assault orders. When a friendly NCU claims a zone or places a zone's effect with, one friendly combat unit may perform one melee attack action. If, uh, sorry, it doesn't say may, but essentially the same. If this targets a house Clegane unit, it may perform one charge action instead. And price of failure. When a friendly unit is performing an attack before rolling attack dice, all attack dice rolls automatically hit for this attack. For each roll that would have missed, the attacker suffers one wound. Now, I'm going to say that because of Pyromancers, I think some of these combos is just like, they're just too deadly. Um, it's just insane the number of, you know, like price of failure is just icing on the cake for a pyromancer combo. You know, putting him in pyromancers, you know, not only gives you seven dice hitting on threes, no saves, and then two auto wounds, um, and then you have the ability to assault orders as a free charge action to then not, you know, not even have to activate to get that charge, that deadly charge off. And then you could even play price of failure and just be like, all right, you know, here you go, here's, uh, um, you know, what, seven seven dice all automatic hitting, and then two auto wounds, so now you've done uh, nine without having to technically roll any dice. I mean, Grant, you still have to roll, and then for every one you roll, you're taking two wounds, uh, and that's because one for press failure and one from the Pyromancer's uh, ability. But still, I mean... Uh, and then you're taking a morale test at uh, minus two, I mean, you could easily one-shot things with this combo, and it's not that hard of a combo. Um, and then over, and then you have overrun. 
Um, uh, I don't think there's really a problem. I think he's uh, he's what the mountain needs to be. I think his three cards make sense for the mountain. They all make sense to the flavor of what the mountain should be. His abilities make sense. I think it's just the potential of him in Power Mancers is just a little over the top. Um, and, you know, I, I've played it quite a bit, and, uh, you know, I just I think that, uh, yeah, it's just, it just has too much potential um, to just one-shot things. Like I was mentioning, I think, in the other show that, you know, I, with Price of Failure, I one-shotted uh, uh, a dragon because I used uh, just a couple free hits from the Reigns of Castamere. But that was with Sandor. Had it been Gregor's unit, I wouldn't have even had to use uh, the Reigns of Castamere because of his plus two auto wounds. So, um, yeah, with that said, uh, Justin, what are are your thoughts about uh, Gregor here? Uh, So, he's the same as he's always been, but things have changed that made... Really, the, the only crazy combo I know about, uh, we've talked about, so it's literally exactly what you just said, which is Pyromancers. But other than that, Gregor is the, the classic, I'm going to hit you with a stick, and it's going to hurt kind of guy. So this is this is perfect. You know, like, these are the cards I like. They're simple. They're to the point. Uh, I do I, – I don't think everyone – I don't know. But I, I don't think everyone likes the change to overrun where you don't get a pivot. But I think it helps rein it in a bit because a well-placed overrun or a reasonably okay-placed overrun will win you the game then and there. So uh, it's nice that it was dialed back, and heaven forbid if you draw both of them early on. It's pretty wild. Uh, I like him. He does exactly what I think he was always meant to do, and I couldn't expect anything more or less. I thematically don't like the idea that Gregor is exceptionally good in a bunch of pyromancers. He wouldn't look twice at pyromancers. Uh, <laughs> if someone's like, you got to lead these pyromancers in the battle, I'd be like, not a chance. I will kill every single one of them before I do that. But <laughs> here we are with them being his best unit. <laughs> Yeah, I can't imagine he would have much respect for them. I think he would just, like, crush all their heads in and then charge in by himself. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm picturing, yep. <laughs> so, um, and now that I'm looking at Price of Failure, it's just an attack. So you literally can use your ranged attack with the Pyromancers. I mean, granted that, in my opinion, wouldn't be very smart, but... It is an option. The only reason I say that is because you wouldn't get your re-rolls from the charge. So every one you roll, like I said before, is two wounds to yourself, and you wouldn't get uh, Gregor's uh, uh, two auto wounds because it's melee only for that. But and as you were mentioning with Overrun, you know, uh, you know, you can't pivot before the charge now so you have to see what you want to charge before you actually charge so you still get your pivot from the charge action but the important difference is that you had to have seen them before you pivoted uh in order to declare the charge um it's a nice little you know downside to the overrun but i think more than worth it uh overrun is just so strong you know it it's not only a free attack it's it's a free charge. So between that and assault orders, and then you're talking him and pyromancers, it just gets nuts. Um, And the fact that unstoppable wrath is uh, always, so it's every attack you get plus two auto wounds. Um, But 
with that said, uh, Vlad, uh, what's your thoughts here on, on Gregor? Um, I, I, uh, I look at him as uh, maybe the uh, most aggressive commander that we have in the game. Uh, all of his three, his three cards scream uh, attack, attack, and attack. Uh, it's very easy to play. It won't assure you a win, but very easy to play. Uh, I think that the uh, price of failure is much better than the, uh, the card that uh, it replaces. Uh, you have to be a little bit careful when you play overrun, of course, because uh, uh, if you're uh, in a bad spot, it's bigger as, as before. Um, uh the best part of uh of uh, of gregor uh i think it's uh, the price of failure card that uh, will guarantee hit on the uh, uh be careful if you play with uh, with pyromancers because for, because for each miss and for each one that you will suffer tombs uh you said that you played him uh, and you put it in the unit Pyromancer. I uh, I play him and I put it in a unit of uh, Halberdiers. And now uh, the Furious Charge, the Vulnerable Token Furious Charge, really helps a lot. Uh, I managed to one shot the dragon uh, with this combo. Uh, I used the first uh, charged uh, a dragon and uh, play a uh, price of failure on top of that. So now I have uh, two stone, seven uh, uh, thundering hits, and the dragon is vulnerable. So uh, so uh, he didn't stand a chance. Um, I really like Gregor. It uh, spices up the, the Lannister's uh, gameplay. Uh, He's a different commander. He doesn't do nothing to uh, mess up your opponent's game, but uh, he's very aggressive. Um, only one thing that I want to mention: I would love to see in this uh, this uh, commander maybe a fourth card that will, uh, 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 you know, like uh, uh, the Targaryens uh, commanders have, because. Uh, uh, it doesn't fit uh, his game as well uh, with uh, uh, a lot of uh, political manipulation, a lot of uh, crawl. So maybe a card that will go his way, that will uh, uh, swap maybe counterplot or intrigue and subterfuge. Maybe, you know, will work there. Yeah, I definitely I think that would be a cool uh addition. I understand like how uh Simon, you know, doing it that with Targaryens for every commander, but it would be nice that uh for the the oddball commander in a faction to just naturally have like maybe a fourth card replaced to make it more flavorful for that commander. And maybe not all of them, but you know, if any I would say Gregor of the Lannisters would fit that more than anything um and like yeah. you were saying um 
intrigue and uh, subterfuge or even, um, let's see what else. Uh, I don't know. Possibly that one. Um, or, I don't know, maybe even bribery. I mean, I, I couldn't imagine him. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I mean, you can make an argument for, like, I would say like five of them. I think fealty yep. to the crown would uh, be okay, and hear me roar would be okay. Lannister pays his debts because Lannisters, but the other four, you could make a argument for all four of those. Um, so, yeah, I think that would be kind of cool. Like just maybe I don't know one commander, two commanders per faction that would have like a fourth card swapped out just to make it more flavorful for that commander. Um, would uh, definitely be a kind of a cool idea uh, while still keeping the theme with um, uh, Targaryens being every commander that gets that. Um, next up, we're going to be talking about Joffrey Baratheon, first of his name. So he has a innate ability that can never be taken away, which is kind of funny because there are instances, I think, that before you could turn him off and or maybe not him I can't remember but I know other ones like uh, Rickon you could turn off I don't know if you can anymore uh, and then if you killed him it wouldn't give like the extra victory point which I thought was funny but it is an innate ability that uh, the king is dead when Joffrey is destroyed your opponent gains two victory points then each of your units in long range become panicked uh, first tactics card uh, he has is you will obey me when a friendly unit is performing a melee attack before rolling attack dice, this attack gains plus two attack and gains thundering. For each miss, the attacker suffers one wound. If they do not destroy the defender, they also become panicked. Traitors, I will have their heads. Start of a friendly turn. Target one enemy combat unit. Attach this card to them. While attached, friendly units melee attacks on this unit, uh, on the this enemy gain vicious. At the end of the round, if this enemy has not been destroyed, remove this card from them. Each of your friendly units in short range become panicked and vulnerable. And I am the king. When an enemy is performing a melee attack after defense dice are rolled, if the defender or target the defender, they block plus two hits. After this attack has been completed, the defender becomes panicked and weakened. So overall thoughts. I think he's cool because he comes with the King's Guard for six points, um, and you know he's the only way you can run the King's Guard King's Guard unit. But I think he's just kind of fun. Um, I think his the effects of his cards are don't are not good enough for the downsides they bring. Uh, and I understand that they need downsides because you're getting King's Guard for six points, but on that same coin, you have your commander's ability gives two extra victory points so killing the unit is three victory points and it's only an eight wound unit so i almost feel like his his downside on his card is enough to justify the king's guard being six points um because that's that's three victory points that's five in clash of kings um and you, you're still panicking everything in long range when he dies. Um, I really don't feel like, uh, you know, plus two attack dice and sundering uh, to then take one wound for every uh, roll of a one. Or no, for every miss. <laughs> for every miss taking a wound and uh, and become panicked. 
Um, yeah, I just feel like uh, it's flavorful, you know, that there's a downside. I just wish there was a little more of an upside. Um, like uh, traders, I will have their heads. I would, I would much rather see it attach for the game. And then maybe at the end of every round, if they're still alive, you keep becoming panicked and vulnerable. But at least it's still attached the whole game to constantly get that vicious. Um, I don't know. I, I'm kind of wish listing here. I just I've played him a handful of times, and he's definitely fun. But like I said, I think his cards just kind of have too much of a downside for what you're getting out of the upside compared to a lot of other tactics cards out there. I feel like there's there's definitely plenty of tactics cards that are just as good as his cards with none of the downsides. Uh, Justin, what are, what are your thoughts on Joffrey here? So I agree with you about the cards and the downside and stuff, but uh, I've, I've had my face stomped in by... The Kingsguard themselves. So the cards like are best used on the Kingsguard, and you build the rest of the army to like back your opponent into a corner. You build supporting units up, and it's easy to build up a really good roster of supporting units and NCUs with how cheap the Kingsguard are, and you just build around that Kingsguard unit being this mon this unstoppable juggernaut. So all these cards you just throw on them. Who cares if you panic yourself? Who cares if you suffer a wound for every miss that you're not going to have? Who cares if you're panicked? <laughs> like, all this stuff. Like, that's why I think the cards are like this. Like, just use them on the Kingsguard. The only one that would hurt the Kingsguard, in my opinion, is a vulnerable token. But you can get rid of that. Whatever. You got cards that'll help you. Uh, Fealty of the Crown will heal the Kingsguard. You can take the Wealth, heal the Kingsguard. You can bring Tycho to heal the Kingsguard. Just build around this Kingsguard massacre. And I think his cards shine when you do that. Yeah, I could see that. Um, I'm just always, like, error, you know, on the side of caution, like, because only eight wounds. Uh, you know, th like we were just talking about Gregor, you know, uh, things like that that can just charge into you and go, you know, eight <laughs> wounds, that's nothing, you know. Um, but, but, yeah, I can definitely see that. A lot of these effects on the Kingsguard are definitely awesome. Uh especially, you know, the plus two attack dice and Sundering and for every miss because I think they hit on twos, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and then becoming panicked uh, doesn't really matter, I think, because their morale is like a four. Becoming but, weakened doesn't matter on them either because they hit on twos. <laughs> so I don't know. Is there any, oh, yeah, his last card. So they block plus two, um, panicked and weakened. So, yeah, I mean, I suppose, like, all these cards on the King's card, but I feel like putting... They're not that amazing that you can kind of put all your eggs in one basket. Like, they're definitely, you know, I think like an eight-point unit that you're getting for six points. Uh, so, I don't know. Maybe, uh, you know, I'll change my stance and just say that they just need to slightly be better. Just barely. Um, you know, they're not, you know, keep, keep everything the way they are, but um, just slightly better... Uh, keep all the downsides on all the cards. Just, I don't know, give the initial effect to just be barely better. Um, Vlad, uh, what's your opinion on, on the King's Guard here? Or, sorry, uh, Jeffrey. In the previous, I had the chance to play more than 
100 uh, Lannisters games, uh, and I will always try to work and uh, make even it was if it was a commander that was uh, underrated. I try to make uh, some builds from him, for him that will uh, will good. Uh, I had to, Joffrey was uh, I already hated him before putting him on the table, and that. That was, uh, of course, about the negative elements uh, uh, that cards uh, brought uh, to your own unit. Um, I uh, I didn't write him yet in the 2021 uh, 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 ver version. Uh, uh, he has maybe worse than before. In the in the matter of uh, negative uh, uh, things that uh, he will put in your unit, uh, and uh, while all these negative effects uh, uh, went from one uh, condition to uh, uh, panic token, uh, also his uh, his cards uh, the positive effect uh, was decreased. I'm referring to. Uh, starting to break up a yeah. bit. Oh no, I hope. Can you hear me now? Yep, you sound good. Can you know? Yes, I, I think I have some tricks too. I, I hope I don't get disconnected one more time. Uh, I think that uh, also the, 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 the effect of benefit will turn down a little bit. And if you look at his third card, which before uh, I think it was his best card because you will always block wound. So even after rolling uh, your defense saves, you could block three wounds. Now it's a two hit and uh, uh, you will gain two condition token on your unit. Um, try to make more. As uh, our friend said, uh, yeah, if we play all cards on the Unit, uh, you will have a, a, a good potential to do some good plays. But uh, uh, for the moment, I'm focused on the other vendors and I'll be Joffrey later on. Yeah, Joffrey, like I was mentioning, I, I like playing him. Um, just kind of for the fluff, uh, just having the King's Guard because the King's Guard unit is so awesome. But I'd say I don't know. Uh, he's definitely probably my least favorite if I'm trying to play more competitive. Uh, I, I in the tournament where I ran the mountain, my second list was Joffrey. Uh, but um, on the one <laughs> the one uh, matchup where I wanted to use him really bad, it just so happened to be Clash of Kings as the mission, and I'm just like, yeah, no. No way, not uh, risking that one. Because first time you kill him, five victory points, and then when he comes back, he's still worth three victory points. So, um, so yeah, I, I just couldn't risk that. Because then all you have to do is gun for the one unit to really win you the, you know, for the most part, win you the game. Uh, but yeah, he's he's definitely a cool concept. Um, I like how they kept it fluffy with uh, with uh, his design. Next up, we have the High Sparrow, his high... Go ahead. Did you have something to add? Yeah. Yes, I just wanted to add uh, 
I will love to see the same um, um, design perspective for the Mother of Dragons, to see the same high risk, high reward in in, uh, in that, and not only to 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 see Daenerys giving uh, two victory points when she's dead. That's all that I want. Oh yeah, I definitely agree there. I would say that you know, ex- uh, two extra victory points when she dies, and then something happens to the dragons. I, I'm not going to say what because I'd have no idea at this point. I haven't really thought about it much, but some downside to the dragons. Uh, I don't know, like uncontrollable rage or something, kind of like how the mountain has. I, I guess that wouldn't make much sense because they have such a good morale, but um, just something, some downside to her dying. Um, a little bit but, more downside, yeah. A little, yeah. Um, yeah. With that said, uh, the High Sparrow. Uh, we have uh, going on to him. We have the High Sparrow, His High Holiness. He has the Order Insight. When this unit is performing melee attack before rolling attack dice, the attack gains vicious and rolls its highest attack die value. And embolden friendly units in short range gain plus one to morale test rolls. His first card is Mercy of the Mother. When a friendly combat unit activates, they perform one morale test. On a success, restore two wounds to that unit, plus one for every uh, for each of its destroyed ranks. On a failure, restore one wound to that unit. Protection of the Father. When an enemy is performing a melee attack, after rolling defense dice, the defender performs one morale test. On a success, they may re-roll any defense dice. On a failure, they block plus one to hit. And lastly, he has Wrath of the Warrior. When a friendly unit is performing a melee attack before rolling attack dice, that unit performs one morale test. On a success, that attack gains plus one to hit and sundering. On a failure, this attack gains plus one to hit. Now, I've played uh, a pretty good amount. You know, know, I've said this a couple times now. I've actually played a lot of Lannister in 2021, so I've actually... I want to say played all of the commanders quite a bit other than Tyrion, who will be up next. But I've played a lot of High Sparrow, and I actually really like his playstyle and what he's turned into, especially going from an NCU commander to a field commander. Um, his cards are uh, always super useful, especially if you stay themed around the faith units. Um, you know, he allows you to, uh, for example, you know, I don't, like running the champion of faith uh in warrior sons i just don't like investing that ability in them because it's more of a support ability but you want to get those faith tokens on them early so you almost feel obligated to running the high sparrow commander um allows you to have these six cards in your deck that forces morales on yourself to get those tokens without having to put the champion in them. And now you can put the champions in your poor fellows. And now you don't feel obligated to use these cards on your poor fellows to get tokens. Um, so if you're looking to run Warrior Sons uh, and poor fellows, uh, he is easily the number one pick for commander. Um, as far as his abilities on his commander, I think they're strong. Um, I wouldn't rate it as something amazing. Insight is something you see on a ton of stuff, so I would almost even argue to say that he should have like another ability um, with what he has when you have some, like someone like, um, uh, let's say like Asha, who has a morale stat 5 automatically to her unit and then gives her morale stat to everyone in short 
essentially making like a plus two to plus three in morale in a lot of cases to everything in short, and then has the stubborn tenacity. Uh, I would almost like to see maybe I don't know, some other effect um, on him, but you know that's just kind of um, you know uh, adding to you know an already I think great commander. Um, but otherwise, yeah, he's he's awesome, um, and I if. If you haven't played him yet, I definitely higher, highly recommend him. Uh, Justin, what do you? What's your thoughts about uh, the High Sparrow? Uh, so I guess I think I really like his playstyle. Uh, I've never really liked the idea of him as a commander because, like, he didn't. He's not a commander. He's just a dude in charge of a bunch of other dudes. Um, but. Like I said, I do like Isn't his play that style. a commander? <laughs> no, no, he's in charge of them like administratively. He's he's just a leader, not really a mil he's not a military commander. He doesn't he's never led any military forces. Uh, I know a what you bunch mean. of crazy people with some maces and stars dived into their heads. Uh, I really have always liked his card, so they're in my opinion, very straightforward. He's a commander that more so than most wants very specific builds around him, and by that I just mean like not all units are going to work exceptionally well with him. Some are just going to work a lot better because they have good morale, obviously. I like that idea. I think all of his cards uh, are aggravatingly... Uh, well, no, not aggravatingly good. I, I know, like, as an opponent, when I have them played against me, I'm always like, God! <laughs> this but it's, like, it's never anything that's just, like... Like it's gonna it's gonna lose me the game because he plays it, but it, they're just straight buffs. I really have always enjoyed straight buffs. I'm a very straightforward type of guy. I mean, I'll use my cards how they're designed, but I prefer to have straightforward things. Like, hey, do this and you get this. <laughs> Sweet, I like this. This is a, this is a good plan. Um, but yeah, he works really well. I really like the changes to Warrior Sons, so that also like compounds that I I enjoy his cards. Um, I I don't think I personally like Incite a lot as a very common ability that we've seen. I don't know why. Like, it's not because it's bad. It's not because it should be something else. I just don't like it. And that's all I have about that. So that takes away from me. <laughs> <laughs> so I would have to say I almost feel like his cards are all relatively the same as they were before. Um, but if anything got just slightly weaker, um, I think Wrath of the Warrior stayed the same, uh, Protection of the Father, um, you know, I can't even remember what Protection of the Father did anymore, <laughs> and Mercy of the Mother, I know, used to heal, I think, four on a failure would heal one, so it essentially got worse, because you could still heal four, but you have to be wounded. Um, but yeah, like you were saying, they're just straight buffs. I like them all. Um, I just wish that, uh, the failures were a little better. So maybe on a failure for mercy and mother, just heal two wounds, uh, protection of the father, maybe instead of just blocking one hit straight up, just reroll any ones. Um, and then. I don't know. Uh, I guess Wrath of the Warrior is fine. Uh, the plus one, and just not gaining Sundering, that is perfectly fine, especially because, in my opinion, the plus one to hit is more often than not going to be more useful uh, because you have so many 
uh, great units hitting on fours in the Lannister faction, uh, and even hitting on twos, or if you have Disrupt or Agile or something, the plus one to hit, in my opinion, is just more value than the Sundering in most cases. So I have no complaints about the Wrath of the Warriors. So maybe just pr Protection and Mercy, uh, just slightly better on the on the failures. And that's only because um, you do still have to take a morale test, meaning that you do have a chance that this does not even go off. Uh, then again, some could argue that because you're performing a morale test, you're actively triggering your own effects on the faith units. But I don't know, maybe that's, uh, that's Simon's design. Maybe they wanted to, like, not necessarily force you, but just highly incentivize, incentivize um, that you take the High Sparrow with uh, a bunch of faith units. Um, or even just higher morale stuff, like even like six up morale isn't horrible for trying to play these cards on. So, um, Vlad, uh, what's your what's your thoughts here on the high sparrow? Him in the 2021 uh, meta. Uh, I agree with both of you guys. Uh, first of all, yes, and it's very strange to see that on the battlefield, uh, him not being as uh, uh, a warrior <laughs> as the guys. Uh, actually, will always come from the masses of uh, faith militants that will uh, follow up uh, this religion. Uh, so this is very, very, uh, uh, very well uh, uh, portrayed in the game by uh, by reducing the cost of the poor fellows, the cost of the uh, warriors. So now you can like. Uh, uh, two units of uh, warriors, three units of four fellows, and will suit up very well. Uh, uh, hit uh, hit him up. Um, the protection before uh, used to be the most strong, uh, strongest card that it, it had because it would take um, for every two unblocked hits. So it's basically oh, yeah. what the uh, yeah, resilience does today. So uh, this card uh, needed to be a bit rolls, but if you're playing with a lot of poor fellows, it basically don't matter. Uh, his healing abilities or all of the healing abilities in the fate list that we've seen before, uh, yeah, uh, went a little bit down too. So uh, now the of the fate does another thing. Uh, the peripherals do not heal as before. Uh, Mercy of the Mud again. She, like you said, uh, in the so the sparrow uh, in a fate list is not a hundred percent healing uh, mechanics. Um, I don't agree, and I really like uh, him having the side order uh, only because it. Uh, allows you to have vicious on your attacks and I cannot imagine this guy being as uh, uh, skinny, as vicious as uh, the Boltons, as the Bloody Marmors, so I don't really think it's thematic for him. I would agree with I think it's. I was going to say, I think it's, it's I, I agree with the effect of insight not making sense i think the name of the ability 
is what makes sense and probably why he has it because he's sitting like in the town square like inciting all this anger and rage uh to the people or you know to his followers but yes i agree like the ability in my opinion doesn't make much sense but the name does yeah thematic for him i i, I can see him only as a fatherly figure that uh, will always uh, following him uh like you said like asha or even if it had um uh yeah even if it had that i think it was more thematic than inside but as a game uh, as a game mechanic it it works pretty good so that's all i can say about him it's very very good choice uh uh it allows you to have a lot of on the uh, number your uh, your opponent uh, and uh, uh, all of his cards synergizes very, very well uh, with the uh, faith units that the Lannister side has. You can make some pretty awesome faithless, you know, like two warrior sons, two poor fellows, you know, throw a crossbowman in there to give yourself some ranged. And then now you can shoot into combat, not having to worry, um, you know, having all this great morale everywhere. You know, run sell me and like one of the warrior sons as we were mentioning in the last uh, episode, and now you know, and then you run Joffrey to always have that crown when you need it. I mean, there's some pretty cool faithless, I think, uh, you know, that you can kind of do around the the high sparrow, and you don't even necessarily need the high sparrow for those type of lists, but I think he just compounds uh, the strength of the faith uh, units if you wanted to go that route. Um. So next up, we're going to talk about Tyrion Lannister, the half-man. He has order counter-strategy when an enemy in short range uses an order or is targeted by a tactics card. On a roll a a die and on a three-up, cancel the effect of that order or tactics card. And then he also has the order tactical reposition. Start of an enemy turn, target one friendly unit in short range. They perform a three-inch shift. His first uh, tactics card here is false agenda. When an enemy NCU activates, if that NCU claims a zone this turn, after resolving that zone's effect, you may move that NCU to any unclaimed zone. If you remove that NCU from the uh, mail, target one enemy combat unit, they gain one condition token. And then his second one is cunning ploy. When a friendly combat unit activates, this unit cannot perform actions this turn. Instead, target one other friendly combat unit. It performs one maneuver, march, or retreat action. If you control the male before they perform this action, one enemy in long range becomes vulnerable. And then he also has intercept orders. When an opponent targets a unit with a tactic zone, roll a die, and on a three-up, your opponent must target a different unit with that zone's effect if able. If you control the male, you may re-roll this die. Um, I absolutely, oh, excuse me. Um, I absolutely love uh, his tactics cards. I love his commander. I think they're, you know, it's, I'm a little disappointed that of the five commanders, or five, six commanders, uh, because we're not talking about Jamie because he was in the Visions, but uh, um, he, you know, I'm, I wish I have more, would have more games under my belt with his, uh, you know, with how uh, good his cards are. Um, 
I've been struggling on what unit to kind of put him in. I want to say, you know, possibly like poor fellows, you know, a nice cheap four-point unit for my commander to sit in on objective while still being survivable in the sense that, you know, I have a awesome morale. And then I can, you know, if I can get the activation count up, I can heal, uh, I can activate last and heal uh, any damage that might come my way um, while still being able to get close enough for that counter strategy and um, and uh, giving that tactical reposition to a, a unit. Um, but as far as his cards, I mean, they're, they're amazing, especially early game, you know, how many times, you know, first round, okay, I'm going to claim the mail, uh, or your opponent might claim the mail from you and you go, okay, uh, play this and they go, okay, well now do I really want to take the mail? Cause he's going to move me and then I'm going to get a condition token. And then he's just going to take the mail anyways and place another condition token. So, and because of the timing, uh, you would, let's say, if you claim the mail, you'd get the mail's effect, and then you'd move them off. Uh, you know, it's too late, no matter uh, what you did, to get rid of the token you're about to place. And then you got Cunning Ploy. Um, you know, the important thing to note with that card is uh, you can't perform actions this turn. So if you have something that allows you to get... Uh, actions outside of that turn you can still use them with that unit uh and you can really uh you know uh let's say like if you do put Tyrion in some poor fellows you can activate with them uh i believe uh let me just double check but i believe you can um use where they go uh poor fellows here we go so Okay, yeah, so you can use Zealous uh, Resurgence to act when you activate and extend a faith token to restore two wounds plus one for every. Because it's not an order, you can then play count, uh, Cunning Ploy immediately after you've healed to then uh, forego Tyrion maybe on an objective, uh, you know, four-point unit, getting you two victory points possibly a turn, to forego their action to get one of your other units in a better position. Uh, and then lastly, intercept orders. Uh, I absolutely love what they did with this card. Um, it's such a cool, unique ability. Um, you know, how many times have they, you know, you could go, okay, I'm going to claim the attack. Okay, I'm going to, uh, on a three-up, force you to, uh, whatchamacallit, on a three-up, force you to choose a different unit to attack with, especially if it's like, you know, some weak unit that you never, you know, you probably didn't even plan to attack with, maybe even just like retreat. Um, now, uh, Justin, correct me if I'm wrong. It says uh, your opponent must target a different unit with this zone's effect if able. Now, let's say there's only one unit that can attack with the zone. Um, can you target something or can you do it and force them to have to pick something that can't even attack and then it just fizzles? Or because there's no one else that can make a legal attack, that it wouldn't work? You know, I don't know. I was thinking about that as I was listening to you. My brain tells me that they can. Uh, so then it would just be a complete waste of taking a free attack. But I really don't know. I, I, I really don't. 
Nope, I got nothing. You mind? Uh, yeah, Brett would probably know. Uh, I'm on it. You mind text him? Okay, awesome. Uh, but yeah, I, I think uh, depending on that ruling, um, you know, that would make this card go from amazing to incredibly amazing. Like the, to be able to just fizzle a zone, um, possibly. And let's say, and I even say the free attack. Let's just say the wealth zone. You know, you took the free attack and swung, and you know they're like, okay, well, I'm gonna try to heal back up the those wounds you just did. I'm going, uh, nope, you know, you're going to have to heal another unit that's already full health, you know, and not get any wounds back. Or, you know, let's even say that you can't do that um, and they have another unit with only one wound missing off in the distance somewhere that doesn't even matter. You go, okay, well, you've got to target that unit and heal only one wound. That doesn't even really matter. So, um, overall, I think uh, Tyrion, you know, amazing commander. Uh, you know, he's I think going to be the like the sleeper of the commanders for Tyr- uh, for Lannisters. Um, just kind of the way he was before. I know when the game first came out, you know, everyone kind of saw Tyrion like, oh, he's pretty cool, but he's a little, you know, out there for his stuff. But you know, he ended up, you know, before like people started figuring out like the activation spamming and all that nonsense uh you know he was easily the best commander in the entire game hands down and he was incredibly hard to face because he just stopped everything you needed to do between you know if you ran Varus and uh like peter you could peter to block zones you could Varus to shut off zones you had him to do all these different things and i think he still falls in that same category but in just he just kind of does it a little different now um, I do like that Cunning Ploy is no longer like free um, attack or anything. It's just maneuver, march, or retreat. I think it's a lot more thematic for Tyrion. Um, it does kind of suck because it, it is sad to kind of see the attack option go away because it was so strong. But um, like I said, it makes more sense this way. Um, Justin, what are your thoughts on Tyrion? Uh, like you had said, all three of his cards are really good, in my opinion. Um, I did get a response from Brett. So, because the zones generally say May, uh, that is what makes the card even better. Because, say, there's only one unit that can be attacked, then you play the card, roll your 3+, plus. Uh, the, the attack says this unit may make an attack. So you can target a unit that can't make an attack. It just can't make an attack. So uh, it works in the better sense where the zone could potentially get wasted. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's that's incredibly good. Agreed. Uh, Back to my opinions about Tyrion. Uh, It's funny that you say that he, you think he's going to be the sleeper because I feel like he's always been the sleeper. He always falls into that role. How many people were surprised (laughs) when Brett did exceptionally well at Gen Con with Tyrion with the tiny activation list? He is a commander I always used to believe, and I still think I do, I just haven't seen him played, uh, that requires an intense amount of skill. But if you get good with him, he is... He is unbelievable, but he's not someone that you just pick up and play. It's something that requires practice. Maybe a little exactly, less now because yeah. those cards are a little more straightforward, but still. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. He's definitely a higher learning curve. I would say 
one of the highest learning curves. Uh, but once you've played them enough, and you just it it'll just come second nature. And then once that happens, then you know you're you have such an advantage over your opponent. You know, once you've mastered one of the, like the more complex uh, commanders and maybe play styles, that uh, you know you turn something that would normally be kind of you know, average because, you know, you're on a learning curve to something that, you know, your opponent's going to have an uphill battle in a lot of cases. Um, Vlad, what do you, what do you think about uh, Tyrion here? Uh, I, I love the new uh, aspect of his uh, manipulation and uh, the way he works with the tactics uh, as began before the, the nightmare to play against Tyrion uh, because of his cards and uh, he always, always let me this impression that he felt like an NCU while he was in, uh, on the battlefield. Uh, I really, really love the new, uh, uh, way they, they wrote this character. Do not forget that uh, his uh, warders uh, that it has on uh, attachment card only on units that are on short range. So uh, in uh, in in the place when you can use those orders because they are very very good. Uh, all of uh, his cards uh, uh, require very high level of strategy play. Uh, I am sure that while uh, players will uh, have uh, the same amount that they will find a way to put all of these cards, uh, play them uh, in the right moment, and make Tyrion again one of the top players of uh, the Lannister faction. Um, while his uh, his warders are went from Oakley it was on a five plus. You reroll that uh, dice uh, by. Uh, Laid down one of your tactics cards. Now it's on a three plus, and you can have one of your uh, opponent's tactics cards in, in short range of So it's like you have a complot on him while having another card in your hand. Um, uh, as I say, I just love the design aspect of the guy. I really like that uh, his negative. Uh, experience from an opponent uh, perspective uh, doesn't exist anymore. So uh, uh, his controls ability were uh, uh, were diminished, and uh, uh, that, I think that's all I, I I can say. Yeah. Yeah, and I would almost even venture to say that. Uh, Joffrey is already Joffrey NCU is already like, uh, you know, so good that he's almost an auto include. I'd almost you know say that in a Tyrion commander list, he is an auto include just because he's all three of his cards are adding an extra zone that you need. Running Joffrey just allows you to focus on the wealth and the mail. You know, you don't even have to worry about that crown zone anymore, um, and help trigger tons of extra effects um especially with 
you know, having false agenda, you know, you can take um, the wealth zone with Joffrey, you know, do your thing. And then now when your enemy activates as their action, you go, okay, false agenda. And they go, oh, well, now do I take the, the mail, uh, you know, because I can't block it. You know, you're just going to move them off. Um, so they more likely they're going to take something else, you know, unless they needed the mail's effect. But now, you know, you can almost ensure that twice uh, in that game you can get both zones um, with his with his card and with Joffrey. And then, you know, between false agenda and cunning ploy, you're throwing out uh, a token each. One is any, and one's a vulnerable. Um, and then combined with the the main deck, you know, having like uh, uh, intrigue and subterfuge, throwing out a weekend, you could really get some pretty decent token uh, generation going. And if you have some champions of the face, uh, but yeah, overall, I think uh, Tyrion's an amazing commander. Um, and you know, I will not be surprised if we start seeing him take some uh, top places uh, in events. Uh, lastly, we have Tywin Lannister, Lord of Castle Rock. He has the order threaten. When this unit act, uh, activates, target one enemy in long range, they become weakened. And he also has the order Lannister Supremacy. After an enemy completes an attack on this unit, target the attacker. They suffer one panic test with minus one to the roll and plus one wounds on failure for each remaining rank in this unit. Uh, he has exploit weakness as his first card here. When a friendly unit is performing an attack before rolling attack dice, he may expend one weakened token from the defender. If you do, they become panicked and vulnerable. If the attacker is Tywin's unit, it may reroll any attack dice. Then he has broken resolve. When a weakened enemy activates, attach this card to that enemy until the weakened token is removed. While this card is attached, that unit suffers minus two to morale test rolls. And then lastly, as issue commands, when your commander's unit activates, this unit cannot perform actions this turn. Instead, target one other friendly unit in long range. It performs one attack or charge action. And then also has the additional effect you can choose, uh, which is start of any turn. Target one friendly combat unit, remove one order token from that unit. They may use that order again this round. So. Uh, I think Tywin's a really strong commander. Uh, only difference now is uh, now that Lannister Supremacy has changed, you're not so much wanting to throw him in poor fellows like a lot of people had been doing because before Lannister Supremacy wanted you to just pass a morale test to trigger. Now it's just uh, based on how many ranks you have left, you're more than likely going to stick him in uh, Halvadir's which is kind of what some people were already sticking him in before. Uh, but it was kind of a toss-up between Halberdiers and Poorfellas. Now I think it's, you know, you can make the argument for Pyromancers because you can weaken the enemy before they get to you to soften the blow. Now you have Visage and Lannister Supremacy. But I would almost say that Halberdiers are kind of his home, and that's uh, – the reason being is to, uh, to talk about exploit weakness is you can weaken the enemy and if they charge you, you can get that set for charge and now you can change that weaken into a panic vulnerable and then now attack uh, with what, seven dice hitting on fours with rerolls because it'll be Tywin's unit and they're panicked and vulnerable. Good chance you're going to at least take off a rank, possibly 
two ranks if you roll well enough and they fail their panic. And now, you know, you don't even need that panic token on them. They just lost a bunch of attack dice on that charge in with a free attack. Um, so a lot of times, you know, they're not even going to want to charge into you. Um, issue command, great, great card. Um, the start of any turn to remove an order token is not going to be as useful as what we see in kind of neutrals with, uh, I mean, you could run Bastard Scrolls in Lannisters. Um, definitely, you know, an option. Uh, but, like, overall for, like, the Lannister faction, I guess giving set for charge back or Lannister supremacy would be okay. I think more often than that, you're almost always going to use that first effect for that uh, um, free attack or charge action um, with this card. But overall, I think he's super strong. All three cards, you know, and that's not to mention the Broken Resolve. You know, you throw that weakened token on on someone, if they don't have a way to clean up tokens, and you throw it on a unit that's uh, something that they don't want to use the wealth zone on, and just leave that weakened token sitting there, um, you know, that minus two to, uh, to morale, combined with if you take Joffrey NCU and take the wealth zone, uh, now when you're playing Subjugation of Power, you're at a minus six. I mean, even if you're a four morale unit, you are taking a morale test now at minus 10 to lose all of your abilities. Um, so uh, I think kind of the sleeper card of his three, I would say it's probably still his weakest, but um, I would not sleep on this card. This card uh, can come in handy in so many situations. Uh, Justin, what's, what's your thoughts of Tywin? So Tywin, fun fact, is one of my favorite characters in the book, series, show, whatever. Um, I always liked him a lot. I want him. I, I hated. I hated when I started seeing people just run him in these like tiny little weak units or whatever. Like that's not what I want. <laughs> halberdiers. That's cool because I can like see a halberdier as like a guard unit. Like like they're guarding the commander or whatever. I want to stick him in halberdiers and red cloaks. Uh, just because that like like he's the boss. You know, like he's he's the man in charge and he should be with the elites. Uh, who are protecting him as his vanguard. Maybe not out in the front, because he's definitely more of a commander, but um, that's that's always where I wanted to see him, so this is super, super exciting. And I think all of his cards are really good. I have zero complaints about any of his cards or his commander. Um, I was always a little bummed that I never got to really... like. I feel like he never shined before. He was never really taken too much before, maybe occasionally, but a big part of it, too, was Lannisters weren't, like, the top faction that you always saw on tables and stuff. Um, I think he's going to be really good. I really like the fact that he's got issued commands as a neutral player. I love my bastard drills and I might throw in some Lannister games with just Tywin and a unit or two of bastard girls just to do exactly <laughs> what I do as a neutral player, but with Tywin, cause I'm an idiot. <laughs> well, yeah, especially uh, with that said, you know, because if you put him in halberdiers, you can forego, you know, their action, no problem, sit on an objective, forego it, knowing that you still have that set for charge. You know, mm -hmm. okay, I'm going to forego them, I'm going to let something else attack or charge, and then knowing that, you know, you're probably not going to charge uh, Tywin, you know, because he's just going to get a free attack against you, and like I said, if you're already weakened, you do exploit weakness, you can get, you know, you can do some heavy damage, 
Um, and then now, because of the way, you know, scoring and, like, uh, um, being more ranked, you know, in order to stop Tywin from controlling that objective, you would have to have more ranks than him. If he's skimmed off one rank, uh, now you have to take him down. You have to do eight wounds on that uh on that charge. And then especially if he does two ranks to you, you know, you, you would have to kill him for him to not control that objective anymore. So, you know, his, his cards are, are awesome. My only complaint, uh, I see here is, uh, I do not see his, um, his, uh, his lionesses holding his cloak to his, uh, to his armor, you know, cause they, hmm. they, point that out in the books you know i'm like oh man that makes a lot of you know because lionesses are the ones that are doing a lot of the lake work you know for the for the pack you know so they talk about he has the lions on as his shoulder uh armor but he has the lionesses holding his cloak up i'm just a little disappointed that they didn't put that in there it would have been well, a they, nice little <laughs> there have been some misses that I'm disappointed at cosmetically. Uh, <laughs> warrior sons are described with a seven with the with the star on their shields, and they don't have shields. And I would have really li- I really like shields. I like my knights, classic knights, sword shield armor. That's that's what I like. And warrior sons are just religious knights. Uh, but yeah, same 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 concept. I completely agree. I think it's awesome that you actually pointed it out. I'm so proud of you, Dave. <laughs> it brings Thank a tear you. to my eye. <laughs> but, um, uh, but I mean, you never know. I wanted to point out might get a second unit. Maybe, yeah. Maybe that's maybe that's the point, right? Maybe they'll get this more defensive unit, even though they're really defensive. But whatever. Uh, I would like to point out Broken Resolve, though. I think uh, that card has a little hidden potential too. So I don't remember the name of the Lannister generic card, but um, the one where they have to take a morale test and they get minus two for each of the two zones you control. This card will could help you get that card off without having to control both zones if you happen to need it to come off uh, because this affects morale tests and not panic tests. So that's, that's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, the subjugation of power. I was mentioning yeah. that, you know, if you had Joffrey in there, you could make it a minus six, but that's a good point. Yeah, you were easy. mentioning that you, you don't even have to have both zones. You, just having one zone, a minus four in most cases is going to be more than enough uh, to mm-hmm. turn off any effects, especially if you put this on a ranged unit and bribery on that unit now i mean granted you you're putting all your eggs in one basket if they take off if they use the wealth zone to take off that weekend takes off broken resolve and bribery all at once but until they do that if you put this on them and you put bribery now you're looking at lowest attack die value and if you play subjugation of power let's say if they have like uh nice watch uh, uh crossbowmen you could turn off all of their um effects for that attack so they'll lose that sundering they'll lose that rerolls in short distance uh, in short range um you know you could really uh, make them super ineffective yeah um so i think i think tywin's really fun to play i kind of want to play him one of these days so prepare your lannisters <laughs> will do um <laughs> vlad uh what's your what's your opinion here on uh tywin uh, it was my favorite, uh, one of my favorite uh, commanders uh, in the game, uh, one of my favorite characters in the Boudou. Uh I thought it was to put him uh, in the Four Fellows unit before, uh, only to make the the supremacy. Uh, uh, I uh, had the list uh, 
that was a full supremacy list uh, before, which now I was having a horrific visage, Lannister supremacy, and uh, any unit in front of me was weakened so, uh, uh, to attack uh, to attack uh, this this guys. Um, the only thing that uh, I would love to change in the, uh, is the, um, the card uh, exploit weaknesses. I will trade this card for any of his uh, uh I think that you can have the panic and vulnerable talking so easy in the Lannister uh, uh, the champion of, of the faith that uh, he didn't really needed this uh, uh, this exploit to to go up. So uh, I won't say it's a it's a bad uh, it's a bad card, but you can have the ability in a way having one of his uh, previous cards just to to see that. But I I really like uh, the uh, you're breaking up kind of bit, but. But, uh, but yeah, yeah. I, I definitely can see that point, um, you know, and I kind of agree, you know, with the fact that the champ, but we've kind of talked about the champion of face in the last last episode is that, you know, they're, I think, a little too effective for what they do. Uh, I know, like, if you just put it in, like, a six-up morale unit, kind of like how um, she-bears are, it's not as big of a deal because you're failing a, a lot more consistently, but in poor fellas, you're throwing out so many panicked vulnerable all the time that it does kind of dilute this card. I know you get the rerolls if it's Tywin's unit, so like the combo I had mentioned with Halvadiers and him could be super effective, but you definitely make a great point that they have uh, plenty of ways to get panicked and vulnerable, I feel like, and, um, you know, maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe simply, you know, keep the weekend, you know, just you kind of like, uh, like, um, was it, uh, Ramsey, where, you know, you might not have to expend the token, but they have to be weakened in order for you to even trigger it. So maybe make the trigger say when a friendly unit is providing an attack against a weakened uh, enemy before rolling attack dice, and then that way you don't have to expend the token and you get two tokens out of it. Um, that'd be really strong. But the fact that, like you were saying, you can get those tokens pretty easy, uh, you know, would justify the fact that you get two tokens out of this card. But, I mean, we've seen plenty of other cards give, you know, multiple tokens. Uh, you know, you can do, uh, like, there's Warcry as an effect that gives you, you know, take a morale test and give out two tokens. Um, so this one, you're trading a token to get two tokens, so you're only netting one token. And then the Tywin effect is obviously only if you're playing on a Tywin. So I could definitely see this card just simply changing to be, you don't have to expend the weekend, but they have to be weakened in order to even use the card or something. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Kind of, I think at that point, you know, he's, he's an amazing commander and that's just like, you know, kind of taking an already amazing commander and just trying to, I guess, tweak one little small thing about, about him. Uh, but overall, even without that change, um, I still think he's he's an awesome uh, commander. Um, with that said, uh, I believe we have completed all of the all the commanders here. Um, so, 
since uh, we're ending a few minutes uh, before uh, our time, I'll let uh, Justin, I'll let you start off first because I know you got to get going soon. Um, what's your overall thoughts on the entirety of the Lannister faction in the context of 2021? Uh, so I guess I should premise with saying uh, I'm a neutral player, but I was, before I even knew they were a faction, very excited about the Lannisters. And I think throughout it all, even after the Baratheons got released, uh, Lannisters are in my top three. So it, it probably goes neutral, Baratheon, Lannisters. So I, I think they are fantastic now. I've actually, in the last like week or two, really been looking at their cards and ideas. Uh, as I mentioned before, I aesthetically love the Red Cloaks with, oh, they're so great. Um, <laughs> so I'm very excited for all these changes. I actually think that I might end up getting some games in, which is weird because Dave knows and anyone who plays with me, I don't really get any games in outside of neutrals. Like, I want to love Baratheons because that's my favorite house, but it, the I love playing the neutrals. I love playing an underdog faction. Uh, there's just a lot about it that sticks me to it. But, man, do I think I really want to get some games in here with these boys. Um, I I will probably myself avoid using, like, Faith Militant stuff. And I don't like the idea of Firemancers. I never have. So, Lannisters would just be simple, <laughs> casual, fun games for me. I would never play them competitively just because I would obviously play neutrals competitively. Um, but I think these guys are going to... As far as I can tell, these guys are going to be at the top. Uh, they, they're not going to be one of those factions that's struggling towards the bottom to really get any good wins, and I, I think they're going to be fantastic. Yeah, definitely got to represent those uh, those neutrals for the tournaments. Uh, Vlad, uh, what's your final thoughts on the overall faction? Yeah, uh, such... Uh to talk about uh, I will try to to do it as short as possible uh, it is my my first section of play I also to develop other factors to, to, to play uh, Justin too <laughs> um, I uh, will agree that they have some uh, uh, elements that are uh, a little bit powerful then their point cost, but not uh, uh, problems uh, for men. And we love uh, 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 equal uh, uh, potential uh, uh, game. Something will uh, go turn down a little bit. Uh, I do not know if you understood me. I had to lost my word. Uh, I can take it one way. I know that uh, uh, I've played a lot of Warrior Sun, and I think they're maybe a little bit too powerful for seven points. Uh, I think the thundering, losing thundering ability will uh, will uh, will adjust them to 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 still uh, work on seven points. Uh, I are uh, a little uh, messy right now, so uh, either they should cost seven points, either they should by your your opponent. Uh, the uh, war cry ability will uh, will be uh, a problem, I think, or one of three. Uh, 
uh, abilities in the 2021, in my in my opinion, and maybe if you make it uh, only on short range, it will be uh, more enough. Uh, uh, still, still are my favorite unit uh, in the game and uh, in the faction. Uh, I not understand their morale. Those guys were never. Uh, meant to go to the battlefield to fight wars. They're uh, uh, thematically speaking, they're just scientists uh, that uh, work on their uh, projects. So uh, maybe maybe turn their, their morale in a point where uh, they uh, will be a hobby to, to minister in your feeling with an attachment that will bust up their morale. But Having fire masters on a six uh, morale, uh, I do not see uh, as the unit looks. Um, that being said, uh, in the in the second perspective, uh, uh, we can see that a lot of Lannisters cards still trigger or still have a condition. Uh, even the counterplot, you have to roll a, a B to pass. So. Uh, Subjugation of power, um, uh, your opponent still has to fail a test. Um, uh, 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 bribery is a replacing zone, so only only because of bribery, I think the Lannisters still play with uh, three twos, still uh, favors this uh, game play with three and twos. Um, I would like to see more. I think that uh, paying four points is very can be played this way. I I, I don't uh, uh, disagree, but I think that all the conditions that have to put for, uh, from uh, that to, to 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 take place, uh, you have to control zone. Uh, you can only pick up uh, uh, your card. The deck limit uh, now it's five, uh, and uh, on top of that, your opponent still has to fail a panic test for uh, the two cards to, 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 to go on. Maybe a third condition token on uh, third order token on Cersei's card, maybe it will fit her uh, well for her for points in the same uh, pretty uh, again. If you didn't play a counter prot card, so you cannot get up from this You have to one of cards to You're to, breaking up to pretty play. good. Um, oh, oh no. Can you <laughs> you're hear good. me now? Um, Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're good. Tyrion, because it was my last idea. Yeah, I, I would love to see Tyrion for five points. His one per game ability go on when you need it. So you just uh, have to roll a or take a take a counter plot from your tactics deck. And uh, with that being said, uh, yeah, and you know, I would say there's definitely a lot about the uh, Lannister faction in regards to their tactics cards and some of their effects. That it's definitely a lot of um, high high risk in the sense that uh, you're requiring things to like fail morale tests and whatnot, but high reward, uh, like counterplot 
Uh, I know it's a straight up one card for one card, um, but you know, pretty much use your card to stop their strongest card or the strongest card against what you're using. So it's definitely uh, it's definitely different in that sense that a lot of the cards are a lot more um, risky in the sense that they could do nothing but uh, higher reward on what they uh, what they could end up you know bringing to your faction. Um, my overall thoughts, I would wa- I want to say that Lannisters are in a great place. I have very little, uh, I guess, if you want to call them complaints uh, or concerns. Uh, a couple just being, uh, like you were mentioning, Champion of the Faith, I think is just way too effective for what it does. Uh, the fact that it doesn't need line of sight, it's long range. You can put it in a four-point unit, which, you know, I think poor fellows should probably just be five points, maybe with a little buff. That way, if you put them in there... Um, then, you know, you're investing six points as much in the way that you're investing six points for uh, she-bears. Um, wouldn't be so bad. Uh, so Champions of the Faith, I would say um, Pyromancers, I think, are just way too effective offensively. And um, that six-up morale with uh, Visage gives them just enough defense that they're not nearly as killable as they used to be, especially if you want to add in, you know, like High Sparrow NCU or other ways to heal them back up. Um, even Tycho would be a nice investment. You know, your opponent thinks that they're going to try to blast you and you just heal them back up and now they're in a trap where, you know, you just obliterate them with all these unsavable hitting on threes. So I would say Pyromancers are a little too effective for their points. Um, they're too offensive, especially like I mentioned with the mountain, just adding those two extra auto wounds is just, uh, you know, it, it just adds too much that just gets by almost anything uh, that most units would have. I mean, granted, if you have something like shield wall or whatnot, you can kind of mitigate it, but most units won't have that. Uh, so I think pyromancers kind of need to be toned down a bit. Um, especially because they don't lose any dice uh, uh, after losing a rank anymore. I really, you know, I really think that they should just be like, I don't know, six five four. Uh, I mean, you're looking at hitting on threes with no saves. I think that is more than enough because you have vicious, so a good chance you're getting a little extra damage on that panic test. So I, I see no reason why they shouldn't just be six five four. You're only losing a die per rank, um, and you're hitting on threes. So, um, you know, my opinion, I thought they were still amazing in 1.6. I, I mean, apparently they weren't ran that often in 1.6, but I thought they were still amazing. I thought they still put out a ton of damage for what they did. Uh, so, I don't know. I, I think uh, Pyromancers in combination with the Mountain have, like, one of the best chances to just one-shot anything without any outside effects you know, because you're literally paying seven points, you have your commander in it, you're just, you charge, and then, you know, as long as you don't roll any misses, I mean, one-shotting something without any real combo uh, or other outside effects. Um, Other than that, I would say Warrior Sons are possibly too strong. I think they're fine, in my opinion, as is. It's just when you start comboing certain things with them that it compounds how good they, they can become. Um, but otherwise, I think as is, they're fine. So I don't know how you would necessarily fix them in the sense that, uh, you know, adding, you know, there's 
a handful of things that uh, con uh, attachments added to them just kind of make them a little too effective. But I feel like that's just a little more, a little too much work because you'd have to, it'd probably be too much work to change all the attachments that you could put in them to make them too good. So, so I don't know about the answer to Warrior Sons, but really for me it's just those two. Um, the Pyromancers and the Champion of the Faith uh, attachment. Uh, otherwise, like I said, I think Lannisters are in a great spot. I think they are tied for second strongest faction between them and Targaryens. I really think it's a coin flip depending on, you know, it would really just come down to list build and player skill and all that, you know, all that good stuff. Um, so Lannisters are definitely in a great spot. I think Simon did an amazing job, you know, redoing basically the whole faction and only coming out with a couple of things that I think are too good uh, is I think a really good, uh, you know, a good place, you know, you know, you're not going to get everything perfect and everything just right, even with a bunch of play testing, um, you know, so come out, like I said, with only a couple small things, in my opinion, that need fixing uh, or tweaking uh, is great. Uh, and I think Simon did an awesome job with Lannisters and, you know, they're, for me personally, they're they're they went from pretty low on my list for enjoyment of playing to now uh, third on my list, just right behind uh, Free Folk and uh, Greyjoys. But with that said, you know we're going to wrap up the show. I appreciate uh, Vlad and Justin. I appreciate both you guys coming on uh, for the show. You know it, it it's always nice to have, like I said. Uh, you know, some new voices and, you know, some consistent voices, you know, to kind of give a mixture of, uh, you know, of experiences and opinions on, on everything that we have uh, to talk about here. Um, and then again, I appreciate all you guys for listening in, you know, uh, again, I want to shout out that, you know, the best way you can, you know, the best way to support us is simply just sharing out our content um, anywhere and everywhere you can, whether it be word of mouth to your play group, or just on maybe some uh, Facebook pages, um, you know, any shout-outs of any kind is is much appreciated. Um, definitely go to our Facebook page and hit hit the like button on there. Um, for every 100 likes, we uh, do a free unit box uh, uh, given out um, as, a, as a raffle. And if we hit 1,000, for every 1,000, um, we'll give out a starter box, and uh, the winners will get to choose... Uh, their unit box or starter box, respectively. Um, we do have a couple. I'm waiting for the. You know, we did that uh, giveaway where we gave away the um, the upgrade packs uh, to seven winners. Still waiting on those to uh, come out so I can give those out to the winners that we had uh, a little while back uh, before we start doing more giveaways. Just I don't want to get like. Um, backed up on a bunch of giveaways. So we're going to wait for those to come out real quick, but we do have uh, a Baratheon starter set that we're going to be giving out some sometime soon, and then also um, most of a Greyjoy starter set uh, that, you know, I had bought three of them, but all I wanted was the the Reapers because I wanted, you know, they're, they're my favorite unit uh, in the faction, both in... I would say mostly how they look, but I do like the idea behind their play style. Um, so I, I did take them out of there, and I figured, you know, I'll just, instead of, like, taking a fifth Reaver or, uh, you know, or a third Bowman, I'd, I'd give away the rest of the starter as a, a giveaway. Just, you know, I figured someone else could make use of it better than I could. And, 
you know, if I can, I'm going to try to find a way to get maybe a hero box added in there. That way, you know, if you you might be missing the Reapers, but you'll you'll have a hero box in there. Um, but that'll come down the line. Like I said, I want to try to get caught up on the other giveaways we've uh, done before we start uh, doing some more. But, uh, but yeah, again, I appreciate all you guys listening in. Uh, next uh, next up, I believe, is Baratheons. We were going to do Targaryens, but uh, we had a lot of requests for Baratheons. So, um, you know, after Baratheons, uh, definitely if you have a uh, preference between the last uh, handful of factions, um, definitely, you know, shout it out one way or another, whether it be our Discord or on our Facebook uh, page, uh, and we'll, you know, you know, if uh, if we get enough, you know, votes for neutrals or whatever it may be, we'll have them be uh, right after uh, Baratheons. With that said, um, this is, uh, you know, the end of the show, the end of the line for uh, Lannisters. Great faction, great, uh, you know, great job for uh, Simon. Uh, this is the Small Council Radio, and it is dismissed.